Let's begin with a little bit of review. As we think about what it means to be a church member, and, and I want to, again, we've broken this out into a couple of different ways to think about this. As the universal church, right, the body of Christ across time and space, versus the local congregation, which is a, a, a different, not a different, a, a subset, right, of the universal church that has its own uh, structure and organization. So as we think about what it means to be a church member in the universal sense, of course, we understand that begins with submitting to Jesus' lordship, right? Submitting to his will for our lives. Jesus is, as we described, the head of the church, right? He's the head of his body. The second thing, being a member of the church means, as the, both the universal sense and the local sense, submitting to the word of God. That's the overall thing, right? We want to submit to God's will. But part of the, the idea of being a member of a local church is finding a group of believers who are striving to understand his word the same way, who will help us understand what God's word has to teach us. And then as we looked at last week, <coughs> excuse me, being a member of the local church means committing to being held accountable. This is one of the harder parts. Committing to being held accountable to God's standard and then also committing to hold others accountable especially under the leadership structure that God has instructed and intended for us to have. As we break this down, we think about what it means to be a church member. If we're going to really commit to one idea, it would be commitment. That we are committing to a variety of different things. We're committing to Jesus' lordship. We're committing to the word of God. And we're committing to one another. We're committing to strive together. So we could spend many more weeks on this. We're not going to. I, we're going to break it down into a couple more things, as I especially want to highlight over the next few weeks. This week, beginning with the idea of doing good. We're committing to Jesus. We're committing to his will. We're committing to one another. But we're also committing to a particular way of living, particular things that we are going to do as God's people. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What are we considering how to do? We're considering how to stir up one another to love and good works. Goes back to previous lesson of last week, right? To hold one another accountable. Part of what I'm holding you accountable to is, are you doing good? What am I doing to encourage you to do good? How am I helping you to do good? Now, one of the things that he says in this verse, particularly, if we're neglecting to meet together, what does that mean? Well, it means I can't really hold you accountable. I can't encourage you to do good. I can't stir you up to love and good works if we're never around each other, if we're never together. Part of what it means to be a church member means to be together so we can do these things. So we can encourage one another. So we can stir up one another to love and good works. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's interesting he breaks this out in a specific way. Yeah, do good to everyone. Obviously we want to do good to everyone. But then especially, there's an especially here, a thing that really is significant do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. What does that mean? Well, I need to know who's in the household of faith, right? If I want to accomplish this, if I want to do this, I need to know. How am I going to know who's in the household of faith? 
There needs to be some fellowship. There needs to be some togetherness. There needs to be some mutual understanding of what we're striving to do. As again, we break this down into the, the universal church overall, but then more specifically in this group of believers. What does it mean to be a church member? It's closely, in tie, closely tied to the importance of doing good. What good should we do? And who should we do it to? Part of the reason that God instructed the church to be organized a certain way. You ever thought about that? Why? Could have organized it a number of different ways. Could have been other things. Why this way? Why, as we read in Ephesians 4, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, some to be shepherds. Why did he do that? What was the point? Well, in part, was to facilitate the doing of good works. Why did God organize it this way? Because in part this way, the organization that he has given us will make it easier for us to do good. It will make it easier for us not only to do good just in a general sense, but to do good in a focused, directed way that will be the most beneficial to his glory and his purpose. Not our purposes, but his purpose. Acts 6, 1 through 4, as we begin to see this organization, of course, at the very beginning, they're just with the apostles, right? They're, they're just sort of all together. But it doesn't take very long before we see the need for some direction in the way things are being done. Acts 6, 1 through 4. In these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. This is distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said... It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. What we see here very early on is the beginning of specialization, right? There's a specialization in the doing of good. It's good for them to, to, uh, to preach the word of God. But there was also another thing that needed to be done. It was good that they were passing out food and distributing food. That was a good work that still needed to be accomplished. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this, to this duty. But we, that is the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Things needed to be done. They weren't getting done very well, right? There was a complaint. There was a, a neglect. Something was being overlooked. And so they needed some direction, some organization. We all need that at times, don't we? We need direction and organization to focus the good work that's being done. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9, and then 15 through 17. This is a long section here. We read that some of this last week. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Now, long section here. That the, the upshot is... We can get bogged down in the weeds with the wrong stuff, the stuff that doesn't matter, right? There needs to be a, a, a focus on what actually matters. And in large part, that is why we have leaders at all. Why are there elders? Well, in part because they are responsible for making sure the right things are emphasized, the right things are taught. We keep reading. What is the outcome of that? Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then he says it again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. What's the point? 
there's some direction, some organization in doing good. What matters is the question. And that's what he's talking about. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. The idea of the food that doesn't benefit those devoted to them. There was some confusion about what really matters. What should we be focused on? What should we be emphasizing? Well, in part, the reason we have the organization of the church that we have is to keep us focused. to Keep us directed into doing the good that God ultimately wants us to do. Which is what he says in Ephesians 4. We read this already. We'll read it again. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do what? Well, it wasn't so that those five groups could do all the work. As much as maybe we think that's what it is. He gave them to what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Raise your hand if you're a saint. Yeah, people are unsure. How should I answer that? I'm glad we're talking about this. The word saint is one who is holy. That's what the word means. It, it is the same root word as the word holy. Holy, of course, is an adjective. Saint is a noun. The holy ones. If you have been immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've received the Holy Spirit, you are holy. You're a saint. It's not some specialized thing that's reserved for a few. Saints is a word that is used to describe anyone in the church, anyone in the body of Christ. So when he says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that's not some specialized chosen few. That's everybody. Who's going to be doing the work of the ministry? Everyone who's a Christian, right? They are to be doing the work of the ministry. Now, how do they do the work of the ministry? How do they get ready to do the work? Well, that's the point. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers are to equip you, to enable you, to teach you, to facilitate the good that we'll be doing, the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And notice again, I want to notice as we've emphasized some of these things, the importance of the importance of correct teaching, of being aware of what's being taught so that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We're not just going to be doing whatever anybody says at any particular time, right? There needs to be a focus and a direction that we would not be tossed to and fro by human cunning, by craft, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Because he is the real leader, right? He's the ultimate authority in the church. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly. What are the different parts? Well, that's you and me and the people here, right? The Christians make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Who is supposed to do the good works? The work of the ministry. Again, I want to emphasize this. It's not just the elders or the deacons or the preachers. We all have a job to play, right? We're doing stuff. But anyone who is a saint, anyone who has the Holy Spirit, is responsible for doing the good works. In Acts 6, they needed organization, right? They were trying to do a good work. What was the good work they were doing? They were trying to help people with food, right? Pass out the food to the widows. That was a good work that needed done. But they needed organization. They needed direction. They needed guidance. And so the apostles say what? Pick seven men. To appoint to this task, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, good reputation, assign those guys. They're going to make sure that this gets done. It's not just a free for all, doing whatever we want. If it's a free for all, things fall through the cracks, right? Things get neglected 
in the Hebrew writer. He instructs the Christians to imitate those who lead the church, reminding them to do good works. Again, there's some structure here to make sure that we're not led astray by, what does he say specifically, led astray by diverse and strange teachings. He reminds the Ephesians that for the church to function, each part must be working properly. And so a lot of what we do then, why do we do the things we do? A lot of what we do, there's a lot of leeway in this, right? Is designed to equip and enable the members of the body to do our best. We think about the different things that we do. Okay, we worship on Sunday. That's a necessary thing. What time do we do that? What exactly are we doing in all of those things? Like, why do we have this structure? Why do we meet in this building? There's a lot of leeway. He just says, you need to be worshiping on the first day of the week. You need to participate in communion. There needs to be preaching, and there needs to be singing and worship. But the organization of that, okay? Why do we have Bible study? Why do we meet on Wednesday? Why do we have midweek studies? Why do we have X, Y, or Z? Why do we have a bulletin? Even down to a bulletin. There's no instruction to have a bulletin. But we have one. We send it out every week. Why? Because that helps you do good. Because now you know who to pray for. Now you know who needs help. Now you know, are aware of some things that are coming up in the body. There's no biblical command to have a bulletin. We do that to help us do good things. Doesn't have to be that. Could be any number of things. But we are exercising discernment, exercising our capacity for thought and planning that God gave us to help each other do good things. Ephesians 2.10, what does it say? That he, the good works that he prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We need help understanding what are the good works? What should I be doing? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. We've read this in our Bible class on the Holy Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the, Holy, uh, of the Spirit for the common good. Uh, verse 17 of the same chapter. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? The answer is what? If it was all just a foot, well, there wouldn't be, there'd be no function. It would, the body wouldn't work. And that's the point that he's making, right? There are many parts, yet one body. You are not going to be doing all the same things as everybody else. And that's okay. You have your own talents. You have your own abilities. You have your own specializations. We get back to that idea of specializations. What did they say in Acts chapter 6? We understand this needs to be done, but we have a specific task. The apostles had a specific task. It's not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word to do this. That's not to say it shouldn't be done, but we're going to have some specialization. We will devote ourselves to this work. These seven men will devote themselves to this work. And the rest of the members are going to be contributing. I want to note, very importantly, those seven dudes in Acts chapter 6, there's no way they could have done the whole, all the work. In the city of Jerusalem, that size, they don't have cars. They don't have texts. They don't have phones. It's going to take some more people to do the thing, right? Now, they're directing it. They're guiding it. But you think about your position in the church. You're here. I don't know how long you've been here, however long it has been. Hopefully, we have some things that you could do. And when I say hopefully, I mean we definitely have some things that you could do. We have some stuff that you could be participating in. If you are so inclined, if you desire to do that. 
1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality. And I want you to note the differences here. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That is, the variety of things that we do. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're all doing different things. But it's in service of what? His glory. In service of the glory, not of the elders or the preacher or the deacons or the whoever. It's in service of Jesus' glory. His dominion. Because he's the head, right? So being a church member, what does it mean? It means focusing and directing our energy in doing good. It means not just sitting on the sidelines. If you just show up on Sunday, and that's the extent of your church membership, you are not being a church member as the Bible describes. Because the idea of being a member of the Lord's body is that you will be doing something. Not exactly the same as everybody else, but you're going to be doing something. It means not just floating from place to place that we just sort of go along and we participate here for a little bit and then over here we're going to do some other stuff. And it means committing, right? Digging in and getting involved. That word involvement sort of a buzzword, I think, in modern Christianity. But it is an apt description that we're going to be thinking about how can I do good as part of this congregation. Again, not everyone will do the same things by design. We understand that. We need to be careful. You're looking around and you're thinking about the good that you're doing and you're seeing someone else and they're not doing what you're doing. You've got to be careful not to judge others who are not doing exactly the same good works that we're doing. Because that is in some ways the point, right? You're doing the things that you're doing. Other people are doing other stuff. And I'm going to say this Oh, how can I say this judiciously? People are doing things that you will never know. You may not see other people doing good works. That doesn't mean they're not doing good works. That just means you're not omniscient, right? You don't know everything. People are doing good a lot of the time that most of us never see. Which brings us back to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. We have to be careful not to judge others who we think maybe aren't doing exactly the, the things that we're doing or the things that they should be doing. Because God does see the work that they're doing. Now, there are times, of course, he says what? Admonish the idol. There are times if, if people are not doing anything, there's admonishment that needs to happen. We understand that. But we have to be careful in our judgments of others. We should be trying to synergize the various works that we're all doing to the larger effect of giving glory to God and bringing people to him. And again, why do we have or the organization that we have? The elders and the deacons and the different things that are going on in part is so that this can be synergized. The good works that are being done can be put together to serve a larger purpose. I want to end with this idea. Matthew 25 which will not be on the screen, Jesus did not present the possibility of being a passive church member. That's not an option. 
that you're just going to sort of show up and that's it and you're not going to do anything. We're going to conclude with Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. This will not be on the screen because it's super long and I didn't want to put all that up there. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. We know the story, but we're going to read it anyway. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. That's us, right? Who is the, the master going on a journey? That's God, Jesus. He's ascended up into heaven. He's left what? He's left us with the work. He's left us with talents, varying degrees of talents, varying kinds of talents. But you have them. You have some talent, whatever it is. Not the same as anybody else, but he's given it to us. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. He who had the two talents made two talents more. He who had the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid it, uh, hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Maybe you're the guy with one and you just hide it. You don't want to use it. You don't want to risk it. You don't want to endanger it. So you just sort of show up but you're not really participating. You're not really taking any risks. You're not really getting involved. What happened? He who had received the five talents came, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five. Here I've made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Same thing with two. Verse uh, 24. He's, he who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servants. You knew that, where I, that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten for to everyone who has, more will be given, to, and he will have an abundance from the one who has not. Even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Being a passive participant in the church is not an option. Why? We do the things that we do. The organization that God has given us. The different commands that God has given us. To enable, again, who? The saints. To do the work of the ministry. Being a church member means using your talents. Not to the degree of other people. We're not comparing ourselves to other people. But we're comparing ourselves to who God has made me to be. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. The guy with two was not condemned because he didn't give the same thing that the guy at five had. He brought back two more. He's not like the master said, hey, you should have given me five, like this other guy over here. That's not how the master operates. Jesus is not expecting you to do exactly all the same stuff as everybody else, but you know what he's expecting you to do? To do exactly what you can do. So as we conclude, we offer the invitation. There's stuff for you to do in this group, in this community, in this congregation. We have things for you to do. If you don't know what to do, well, come ask. We'll put you to work. Not for our benefit, 
but for the benefit of Jesus, his purpose, his will. 